0: Following a bunch of pills and sinking beneath the water would smack too much of giving up, of admitting that her life wasn't perfect. Josephine was all about appearances. Some of Keith's worst beatings had been triggered by incidents he'd shared with other people that were unflattering to her, usually about the severe punishments she'd doled out to him. And there was more than her pride to consider— She'd spent almost every living moment protecting her beauty and trying to turn back the hands of time. Why would she fight aging so much if she'd had a desire to end it all? Something else had to have happened, an accident, or, he hated to acknowledge the possibility, murder wasn't an entirely unreasonable conclusion. His mother had plenty of enemies. She hadn't been the kindest person in the world. Most of the time, she hadn't been kind at all. But Faram had almost no crime. Keith couldn't believe that anyone here would harm her. He'd asked Maisie if anything had been stolen, or if there was any sign of forced entry, and had been told there wasn't. Even the five-carat, $90,000 diamond ring on Josephine's finger hadn't been removed. Since Pippa, his mother's housekeeper, typically went home at night, and worked only five days a week, his mother had been alone in the house, taking a bath with her pills and her wine. Barring some injury to her body, which the coroner presumably hadn't found, Keith could see why the police had reached the conclusion they did. But they didn't truly know her. He passed the sugar shack, the barber shop, the burger stand, the Wild Rose Cafe, and the Ferrum Marina. Then the road began to climb. Most of the islands off the coast of South Carolina were flat, but Farham had a sizable hill on one side, which they called a cliff, although it wasn't much of a cliff by most people's standards. It was high enough that someone could be killed by falling onto the rocks below, especially a child. They'd once believed Roxanne had fallen onto those rocks, and her body had been dragged out to sea. Cold Iron House gripped the top of that hill, and peered down on the rest of Faram Island like an eagle guarding its clutch. A sudden deluge of rain hit his windshield, hard as rocks, as he rounded the final bend in the road, and encountered the tall gates of the fence that circled the property. Through the rhythmic slash of his wipers, he stared at the ornate wrought iron with the elaborate C in the center, wondering if he was going to have to call Maisie for the code. He assumed he would, but it took only three tries to get the gates to open. The code turned out to be his birthday. Ironic, considering that he and his mother had been estranged for so long. She'd loved him, in her own twisted way. That was the part that always messed with his head and his heart. His phone rang as he parked near one of five garage stalls. Stacia Snyder, his assistant, was trying to get hold of him. On the West Coast, it was only 2.30, but he silenced his phone instead of answering. He couldn't deal with her now, couldn't deal with anything else. He felt as if his mother had her hands around his throat and was squeezing. A memory flashed before his mind's eye. She'd choked him once, when she'd gotten worked up and gone too far. After she released him, he spit in her face, and then she'd really let him have it. That was the only time he ever remembered his father stepping in, Malcolm had been so passive. Whenever Josephine got upset, he'd simply hunker down and wait for her anger to blow itself out. The funny thing was, no one ever wanted him to do anything else. The situation just got more volatile if he tried to insert himself. Josephine had to win at everything, which was partly what had caused Keith's problems with her. He was the only one who ever stood up to her, whoever fought her complete domination, at least until Maisie got older and walked out on her, just like he did later. The car pinged as he got out, reminding him that he needed to turn off the headlights. His BMW did it automatically. He'd forgotten that most cheaper vehicles didn't. Although the rain was still falling heavily, soaking his hair, jacket, and jeans, he spent a few minutes searching for the groundskeeper, Tyrone, to no avail. The place looked deserted. Since it was after five, Tyrone must have left, or maybe he hadn't come today. No doubt Josephine's death had thrown the hired help into chaos. If Keith had his guess, they were all at home, fearing they were out of a job, grieving for their own loss, if not for the loss of their tyrannical employer. Flinging his wet hair out of his face, he hurried up the front steps to the wide veranda. The door was locked by-